graphics. And funny fans may not like this, but it's the one thing I can ding them on. And this is just reality. You've never been truly chased, ever. And you've never had to manage the mental motivation within your own locker room when you know you're the freaking best team out there. official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your hosts Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Jamie Williams. FCS Fans Nation. As the Rev would say from last week, tell that bum, Kyler, welcome back. It's good to see you. The OG crew is on the airwaves for you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast this morning, afternoon, or evening. Jamie Williams, Kyler Neal, crazy coming through after a very exciting and fun last week of FCS football. Thanks for joining us, guys. We are again sponsored by the Versus Sports Simulator and Walk on Apparel. And we are excited to break down some amazing fan questions. Uh, we've got quite the stack in the Big Seven. Mr. Kyler Neal, it feels oh so good to see you on this beautiful screen on YouTube. Um, how have you been, dude? Welcome back into the studio, my man. I'm doing good. Uh, Eastern actually looks like I might have a football team this year, so I'm already in a better mood. We'll have to kind of wait and see how the next few weeks go because it doesn't really get that much easier. But yeah, just working. I'm glad Rev is coming in here pretty much every other weekend to bail me out. Uh, so I appreciate you, Rev. Thank you for jumping on last minute every other week. Um, I really do appreciate it, man. Yeah, we're really running the um, the NDSU football, uh, Cole Payton, Cam Miller, double duo quarterback this season. And it's working out pretty well, both for the Bison and for the podcast. Not too shabby. So uh, with that, gentlemen, before we get into the Big 7, we always want to give a big shout-out, like we said, to our sponsors. We appreciate both of them. The FCS Fans Nation podcast is brought to you by Walk-On Apparel. Walk-On Apparel specializes in FCS and mid-major clothing and believes that every fan base should have quality options to rep the schools they love. Along with you receiving a great product, 10% of the profit from every sale is donated directly to that school's athletic fund. Visit walkon-apparel.com and use promo code FCSFANSNATION to get 15% off of your purchase. Limited schools currently available with new releases monthly. Walk on Apparel. Up the fans, up the culture. The FCS Fans Nation podcast is also sponsored by the ultimate analytical prediction football experience. Introducing the Versus Sports Simulator your secret weapon for predicting FCS, mid-major, and all other football games. Get ahead of the game and take your sports betting and knowledge to the next level with a site and app that's built to ignore bias and just give you the facts. If you subscribe today and use promo code FCSFANSNATION, you'll save 20% on your subscription. You can download the Versus app on the App Store and Google Play by searching Versus Sports Simulator or going to VersusSportsSimulator.com. With Versus, it's not a prediction. It's science. The top seven FCS topics of the week. This is the Big Seven. 
Oh boy, we're going to make some people mad, I think, and I'm okay with it because there's never any shame with these three folks talking FCS football. Cody Whirlinger and the Rev, in fact, as a combo, kick us off this evening in the Big 7 with Montana struggling against Butler and D2 Ferris State. Should Montana fans be concerned? Also, is Bobby on the hot seat with the way the start of the season has gone, says Cody? And Rev also wants to know why Montana should be in somebody's top 25. Whoa. I think we have to start with you, Jamie, because the top 25 was mentioned, Mr. Stats Voter Extraordinaire. What are your thoughts on Montana for being an undefeated team that certainly is not looking very good? What are your thoughts on the Grizz? No, that's that's definitely a paper tiger 3-0. Uh, but – at the same time, it's also three and zero. They got challenged, challenged hard yesterday. I mean, Ferris State had a chance to tie that game multiple times, and you just look at it and you say, "Oh, look how close they were to a D two team." This isn't Delta State smacking Mississippi Valley State. Ferris State is a legit D two team. They are number one in D two, but they are still D two, and Montana did not handle them very well at all. Uh, they're, I mean, Ferris State's defense had a nice game too. So it's not like they just kind of hung around and, you know, penalties and turnovers and little things. Like, they legit hung in there. Um, I am really wrestling with what to do with Montana as far as where to rank them. I had them 13 um, just because they've just based off what I thought they were going to be and what they were. And I just don't know if I can rank them. And if I do, they're going to go down to somewhere in the 21 to 25 range. Um Gosh, good thing they've got Northern Arizona left next because I mean they're basically a D two team, and you know UC Davis out there looking good. Idaho back to back there. That that's when we're going to find out exactly what they are and if they are going to compete. But right now, gosh, they struggle with Butler before pulling away a little bit. Um, you know, Utah Tech did whatever there. I I don't know what to make of Montana. I just don't think right now they're a very good football team. Um, but they could, you know, nine and two, eight and three their way into the playoffs just because of what the schedule looks like and probably get smacked by somebody in the first round. But I, I don't know what to make of them. I, like I said, I don't know if they're rankable. I, I just don't know. I, I'm so confounded by this team that I don't know what to do with them. And I don't think they're very good, to be honest. And I need to see a lot more from the Grizz. And I know. You know, people like to say, oh, I just hate the Grizz, and I'm definitely not a Montana fan. Don't get me wrong, but that's not good enough, guys. Yeah, it's really bad when on Google, as you're watching on YouTube here, folks, uh, two of your opponents don't have logos. Like Google, <laughs> the, the biggest machine of information of mankind in the last 20 years is like, we don't have a logo for Utah Tech or Ferris State. We don't even have a logo for them. Um, and then Butler is not good. Utah Tech is FCS, but they came up, what, they're two years? They one year up into the FCS? I mean, this is a transitioning team. And Ferris State, like you said, great D D2 team. And I guess to give Montana a little bit of credit, you know, we say the same thing about the F FCS for G5 teams. It's like, listen, they're a top five FCS team, so they should be able to compete with the lower tier. But that's the thing lower tier is montana lower tier because if they're a top 25 team ferris state shouldn't be close 
Um, this is a really bad start, and it it feels culture. It feels like coaching. Um, I don't know. I don't think based off the recruiting stuff I've followed and from our Montana podcast guys in the network that they've dropped off in terms of recruitment or individuals. I'm not saying they've skyrocketed, but they've kind of done what they've done in the past. This is a bad look, and it's going to – I don't think it's going to just get better when you start seeing UC Davises and Idaho's. Uh, Kyler, you were on fire with Twitter this week, you know, really – Talking about Eastern Washington, talking about the Big Sky. How are you feeling about the Grizz? And I know low key on your thigh, they're they're a team that you really love. I know biggest fan, biggest fan right here. Um, I mean, if you're a Grizz fan, you should be concerned. There's Grizz fans are, that are saying, you know, Ferris State is a really good program. Yes, they are. It's Division Two, but you know who is a great Division Two program who stinks? North Alabama, right? North Alabama is only a few years removed from playing in a title game as well. They have just as many titles as North Alabama or as Ferris State. So again, just because you're D2 and you're great does not mean you're supposed to go into Walk Riz. Supposed to be the number one FCS atmosphere with 26,000 fans screaming. You got Sean O'Malley waving the flag, right? The UFC champ. You're not supposed to be able to go there and compete. That would be like who's who's maybe a top 15 team in the FCS? Or let's no, so this would be like North Dakota State going into not Arizona where they struggled, right? It was a good close game. You're going into Ohio State, mm-hmm. Georgia, Alabama. You're you're not going to be competitive. That is the difference. It's not South Dakota State going to a Colorado State. Cool. That That's the big FCS, FBS difference. This is just not supposed to be close. I don't care what anyone says. Ferris State is a solid program. They are definitely the toughest team on that beginning schedule for the first five weeks. But again, looking at the schedule – First three weeks, you have a Division three team in Butler because that's how many scholarships they give. Then you have a Division two team, and then you have a Division 2.5 who absolutely is trash. You're playing competitive with two of them. The other one you blew out. Um, there should be some concern. This is a team where Montana still has a good defense. Their defense is still flying over the, all around the field. They look good. They're creating turnovers. That defense is solid. But that offense, and it wasn't extremely good last year, took a nosedive at least the first three weeks of the season. They look so much worse than what I've seen the Grizz look ever. Um, Now, the nice thing is they play NAU, who stinks. Jamie's right. They absolutely suck. Then they play Idaho State, who absolutely sucks. So you have two more weeks before you get into your first tough game to try and figure out those kinks, and that's the nice thing about having a schedule like this is because, guess what? If something's not working – you have five, six weeks to change it before you actually hit someone who's competitive. So they got to figure out something on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know. The skill players don't look remarkably well. Um, the quarterback looks awful. The running game is almost non-existent. Um, but yeah, you got to figure it out. The nice thing is at least the defense is going to keep them in a few games in the big sky, even with some maybe tougher teams. But man, they got to figure out how to score some points and not just against Utah Tech. Yeah, they've got four real opponents if you were to look at their schedule and be like, those are, are real teams. And, you know, going to Idaho, going to UC Davis, they're going to be at home against Sac State and at home against Montana State. At this point, Montana State's going to murder them. They're going to um, lose all four. Yeah, so that's the thing. Are they going to win one of those four, which probably puts them in the playoffs? Like, if they have three losses. Um, it's the same thing that they probably. did last year. The exact same thing. And I know right before the season, they lost their stud tight end, Cole Grossman, and him being out, I mean, that's that's a release valve. That's that's a pressure release for any quarterback. And I don't know that Vidlax ready to go. I mean, 
It hadn't looked very good to me. Uh, mm-hmm. So th- they just don't have, you know, the quarterback play. But they've got guys like Junior Bergen who should, you know, be making plays left and right. There's talent on that offense. It's just not good. And I, I just don't see where to go. And that's why I'm struggling with what to do with them because I think they are maybe a top 25 caliber team. The defense is certainly a top 15 caliber team, but the offense is a bottom 30. Yeah, mm. looks, looks rough. So is, is Bobby Halk on the hot seat? Yeah. That was the other part of this question, right? Oh, yeah, I think he is. How many? How long is that fan base and that set of boosters going to let that team just struggle along at seven and four and be okay with it? And, and they haven't seem like close, long. And they haven't come close to sniffing a big sky title since he's been back. That is a fan base that expects excellent, and they should because of their resources, their facilities, their history. Like, that is a fan base you don't want to piss off and just go into mediocrity. And especially with Montana State continuing to seem like get better every single year, that's putting pressure. Now, this is the most winningest coach in Big Sky history, or at least will be. You know, he has a lot of success, arguably one of the most successful. So it would be weird to see him on the hot seat, but. I don't know. I don't know how many more seasons they can take of this. Now, again, they are three, and zero. they have a chance to go nine wins if they figure out a few things. So maybe, you know, eight weeks down the road from now, we're like, why were we even harping on this? It's just growing pains, young team, you know, starting at the beginning of the season. But as of right now, I don't know. I, I don't think the fan base is that happy, uh, or at least they shouldn't be with these types of performances. Yeah, this is, um, this will be interesting for the Grizz. And I think Bobby is going to, He's going to be feeling a lot of pressure. And that's the best point that you guys made is bringing up Montana State. I mean, that is num- that is the first thing that those two fan bases are going to look at beyond going and winning national titles is what is the other squad doing? Well, and- did you guys see uh, Ferris's head coach going, hey, man, I would love to coach here one day. If there's ever an opening, I'll apply. Right after the game. Wearing wow. the tie and everything. You know, he's, he's, yeah. he was ready for his job interview. Yeah, he yeah. Was. well, maybe he'll get an opportunity. Uh, speaking of new coaches, there is one at South Dakota State, gentlemen. And uh, here you go. Mr. Ben Fujin wants to know, South Dakota State pass defense, um, along with having zero sacks in three games, a cause for concern or blip on the radar? There's some good passing offenses in the Valley that are making me nervous, says Ben. All right, guys. So South Dakota State, uh, that Hell of a game, probably the game of the year. I don't know how it's going to be top between Montana State and them surviving in that one and then annihilating two opponents who are trash, but zero sacks through three games. And the bunnies are the fans are not so hyped about the pass defense. So the question I have really for you to start with Kyler is fan overreaction because the team just should be better because everyone still thinks they're going to go 15 and 0 or actually a cause for concern of things to come into Valley play. A little bit of both, right? It's definitely an overreaction when you're still the number one team. You you just beat the number three team in most people's eyes. And, you know, the rest, who cares? Uh, you On paper, it looks like you maybe have just a few real competitors left on your schedule. But again, this was also them last year where I was like, Incarnate Word, before they played NDSU, fares much better against South Dakota State than a North Dakota State does or a Montana State. I still kind of believe that. I do think if you want to beat South Dakota State, you got to be able to sling the ball. I don't think you're going to be able to run too much on them. So there is a little bit of concern, but all right, North Dakota State, they're starting to pass pretty well, or at least they're accurate. Theo Day can still sling it. North Dakota has has a guy who can throw the ball. 
And then you have Southern Illinois with Nick Baker. I mean, now this schedule is actually looking a little more daunting potentially, uh, where I don't know if South Dakota State just comes through here flawless like we all thought in the preseason. Um, there's, there is some good quarterback play in the Valley this year, and it is going to be interesting to see. Um, but, yeah, it's probably a little bit of an overreaction, but it's still something to focus on and try and improve before you get to some of these tougher matchups. Yeah, I think it's I think it's overreaction to the statistics and bunny fans may not like this, but it's the one thing I can ding them on. And this is just reality. You've never been truly chased ever. And you've never had to manage the mental motivation within your own locker room when you know you're the freaking best team out there. They've never had to manage that ever. Even last year when they were the number one seed, even with the expectations of how good they were how many times they've beaten NDSU, now it's real. This is reality. You're the champion. Everyone expects you to go 15-0. and They see the 30-plus, whatever, 28, 30 seniors on your roster. They see Mark Gronowski. They see the coaching staff. They see your favorable home schedule. And in that locker room, those players know it too. They're not dumb. I mean, NDSU, through those title runs, they had – they would that you'd hear those post game speeches that would get ripped apart on Twitter by other fan bases. Be like, wow, are they really acting like this was a challenge? Are they really pretending that uh, this was something that was going to be tough on them? Their stupid raise the bar little thing where they put a bar up uh, with every single win one by one to stay focused on the next day. But here's the reality: your players have to do that because everybody's going to give you your best shot. What is the mental preparation to? play your best football at all times. And this is why I love Kyle. Uh, one of the guys on the Jackrabbit illustrated, you know, former SDSU player, he calls them out on Twitter all the time. He's always, he's consistent. He'll hit them really hard when it's South Dakota state's not performing like they should. And Kyler, you're right. Look at the scores. I mean, they probably played the number two team in the country and came away with a win and destroyed two trash teams. But this is the reality is fans are expecting the best. And can your team match that mentally? So, Will South Dakota State manage the lead dog mental game as well as teams like NDSU, even Youngstown States in the 90s and the Grizz? And can they handle that? That's my that question. Bye week, too. That's so early before you even get into Missouri Valley play. I didn't even notice that. Ooh, yeah. Them not both. The most ideal spot. No, both Dakota schools, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota State, the states, um, they both are on a bye this week. So, Jamie, concerned about the rabbits, or you still like, you know what, they're fine. I'm not super concerned. I think this is what you get when you have an expectation to go 15 and 0. You are the fan base, and of course, the coaches every week are going to find something. You can score on every single offensive snap, and they would say this guy missed a block on the far side of the field. So, of course, the coaches are going to find something, but the fan base is just expecting so much perfection. If anything isn't right. They're gonna, it's gonna make them a little nervous because, oh, if we're gonna get beat, where's it gonna be? And if they're gonna get beat, it's gonna be through the air. Montana State had a decent amount of success running the ball, but when, when Drake goes 20 for 34, which is not great, not terrible for 220 yards, I mean, and that's it's not good. That's, yeah, that's not good. I mean, yes, you only allowed seven, and you yeah. know, they were slinging the ball at the end. They, they, the run defense played very well. But there's something to that. I mean, even the last couple of drives against – especially the last drive against Montana State, everybody in the building knew that Sean Chambers was going to have to throw the ball. Usually for Montana State, if they're going to throw – it's 
touchdown Tommy, who was unavailable. And Chambers did a great job. And he was three and a half inches from a guy getting game-winning touchdown. So I think there is a little bit of concern there as you get into the meat of the schedule and you're seeing it every week in Valley play. When the Valley teams know what you're going to do, they know your tendencies, they know your personnel. This isn't a non-conference game where you might see them once every six years. So, yeah, that's something those other teams are going to key on. And and I know they're looking forward – they're always looking at one game, and that's the marker. And guess who looks like a real quarterback this year? Cam Miller. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at that, and South Dakota State fans are like – they're biting their nails because they know they need to get that fixed before they get to North Dakota State. Because I saw Cam Miller do back-to-back rollouts, one to each side, and throw very accurately on the run. I saw Cam Miller drop back and nail it. And I know this is a South Dakota State question, but I needed to take the time today to give Cam Miller a ton of credit because I've hammered him in the past. And I was actually chatting with Stone a little bit throughout the game. It's like, wow, Cam Miller looks legit. And uh, he's, he was a little bit impressed too. And if you've listened to Kevin and Stone last year, Stone was very critical of Cam. So for him to be impressed too – so that's what they're looking at. South Dakota State fans, their focus, what do we have to do? We can't lose to North Dakota State in the year that we're number one. That can't happen because we always beat them and laughed in their face about it. We can't give the marker back. So, you know, that's going to be the thing they're focused on. It is an area they need to improve. But all of that said, I still pick them against anybody. And, again, this is like, we're such nitpicking right now just because of the question. They oh, still for did sure. one of the most dynamic offenses in the FCS to 16 points, right? So at the end of the day, like that's still fantastic. Um, you're giving up seven, seven, and 16. And they've got two studs coming back um, after the bye week, one of them yeah. being Adam Bach, who hasn't played. And that is a stud linebacker. Yeah. And linebacker can affect the run as much as can affect the pass in terms of a player being out on the field. So – South Dakota State, we'll see how they continue to handle the mental game. I still think they're going 15-0 and and running the table. Uh, but they it looks a little bit more, like Kyler said, well said, more of a daunting task than maybe in the past. Jamie, we've got to go to you for this one, my man. Brandon Owens, our cocky nation, amazing Jacksonville State fan. We hope the FBS is treating them well up there in Alabama. Are Western Carolina and EKU just completely different teams from who we thought to start the season? This is a really great one, especially because Western Carolina is involved. So, Jamie, you're our stats top 127 guy. What do you think about these two teams and their performances so far? Eastern Kentucky, to be honest, is about what I thought they were. Western Carolina is almost what I thought they were, but better. Because last year, if you go back to what I said – is I thought Western Carolina would be one of those teams that takes a jump and, and could threaten. And they threatened some teams but they and took that jump, but they weren't really a contender. This year I said look out for them to be that bubble team, and at least they're at least there this year. So they're doing about what I thought. Now, Eastern Kentucky, they should have won that game yesterday, and Western Carolina made a couple plays and took the lead, but it was an excellent game. I watched a decent amount of that one. Parker McKinney, we would be talking completely different today about Eastern Kentucky. He had wide open. There would have been two seconds left in the game, wide open the end zone. He he makes the throw. The receiver fell down. It's kind of in his hands and bounced out, and then they missed a field goal. 
that would have won the game. He makes that field goal, and it's like, oh, my gosh, did you see how great Parker McKinney was? And he is pretty damn good. He's a damn good quarterback. Eastern Carolina or Eastern Kentucky is a good football team that's going to battle for a potential playoff berth. They're going to be one of the top few teams in the UAC. But Western Carolina, their problem has always been defense. And it's the same thing I said if you if we go way back to but like my second show with you guys. It's like, hey, if VMI has a defense, they can win the SOCON. And they had a defense that year. If Western Carolina has a defense, they can win the SOCON. And they have a defense. So let's see what it does when you get into the depth of that SOCON schedule. When they play Furman, when they play Mercer, when they, you know, every they, the one thing, Kevin's right, they all play everybody. So when you get in the meat of that schedule, we're going to see uh, if that defense holds up. And Desmond Reed is probably right now, in my opinion, running like the best back in the nation or one of the top three at least. Uh, he's carrying that team uh, really, really solid, and the quarterback Gonzalez is making plays. So I, I think both teams will be fringe teams for the playoffs, and I would like to honestly see that matchup again. I thought it was I thought it was an enjoyable game. Man, I just love when you get the satisfaction of the effort you put in, Jamie. I mean, you, you've been on Western Carolina, and yeah, I always take the lazy route of an analyst, you know, where you just go down a schedule, but it's so it's so tempting in college football because it's not like the NFL where things kind of go, you know, with these big upsets sometimes. But they get Furman at home, they get Mercer at home, and they got to go to Chattanooga. For some reason, I think that could be kind of a tougher one. But Citadel, Charleston Southern, they have to play Wofford. I mean, they if they can pull those home game wins, you're right. They got a chance to win the SoCon, which would be insane. And on your note on the defense, they're currently ranked 49th. I think they technically would be tied with Butler at 48th. So they are a top 50 defense. So if the offense is clicking, the defense is at least formidable enough to make enough stops. And winning 27-24 may prove that point. So, uh, Kyler, do you think that this is really a, a SoCon team? And I hate to dismiss EKU. It's just to the victor go the spoil. Um is this a team you're starting to go, all right, Mercer, Furman level maybe? I, I don't see it at Furman level personally, but I see them fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah, we always saw the last few years as Western Carolina as this solid offensive team. They were more like a Sanford, really good offensive team. They can get in a shootout with anyone, but they just couldn't stop anyone. Their defense, like Jamie just said, is looking so much better. They're massively improved. Um, and, you know, beating Sanford the way they did, phenomenal. I mean, my hat's off to you. I started ranking you last week just because of it. And then you beat EKU. Now, I get it. EKU, if you lose to a big South team who is 500 in the playoffs, you're probably not that good. Uh, but no, I'll let me let me just you know not troll EKU a little bit. You know, EKU's had a rough road. They played, what, Cincinnati. They played Kentucky. And they were, they were with that SEC school, Kentucky. What, it was a seven-point game or something like that? It was pretty, mm-hmm. pretty damn close. And then you go in here and you play another team that's surging, coming off a huge win against Sanford that no one thought was going to happen. And Parker McKinney, he played well. Um, but, yeah, this Western Carolina team, they do seem to be built a little bit different. They're they're quite a bit more balanced than what we've seen in previous years. Like Jamie said, that running back is phenomenal. He's taking over games. They're just not airing it out. That, that's all what Western Carolina was doing the last few years. They're airing it out. Now they got a really balanced offensive attack now. They got – a really aggressive defense. Um, 
but you know what? EKU, they look they look damn good in that game as well. Um, they're probably one of the top teams in still, you know, the UAC. But yeah, if I'm a SOCON team, what? Western Carolina, they were probably ranked number five, number four coming into the season. If you were paying attention in the last few years, you thought they're just a fringe outside of the playoff team. I don't know, man. They look like they might be able to take the whole thing, which I, I'd be rooting for them. Go Catamounts. That yeah. would be really sick to see, especially with all the preseason expectations. And hey, it might help save that SoCon reputation a little bit because it's not like Mercer, Furman, these other teams are bad by any stretch of the imagination. A team that looked pretty dang good and continues to look good. I guess we just completely forgot they existed. Uh, Derek Kamena wants to know, and Derek's had a, got a few great questions for us this evening. Is Sac State flying under the radar to another seeded year? Are we going to see this go again? And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the FCS Fans Nation Network. Sacramento State is our uh, cover photo on the background of tonight's show as they beat Stanford, another FBS killer. Um, Kyler, big sky time, man. Is Sac State really, are they really going to do this again? Are they going to go to that seeded? What, what's going to happen here for the, for the Hornets? This is going to sound so weird uh, because after you get done beating a power five team, everyone's supposed to be all up in arms. Not that impressed with Sac State as much as I should be because they're three and oh, and they have a power five win. They did not look strong against Nichols. I'm sorry. I don't think Nichols is good at all. Um, they beat, you know, a division two transfer up team, which they should have. They handled them. Then you look at Stanford. Stanford sucks. I get it's P5. You're supposed to lose to them. Those nerds at Stanford absolutely suck. They got hey, dog walked by USC. They careful, my sister-in-law went to Stanford. Nerd. Hey, and she's smart. She's not athletic. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, but I mean, looking at the rest so of, of Sac State's schedule, and it's it's unfair of me to think of Sac State this way because they just keep proving people wrong. Right? They've won the Big Sky multiple years in a row. They had good performances in the playoff the last few years. And then they just get done beating a power five team. You know, they beat um, another G5 team last year. And every time you ask me about Sac State, I just go, eh, they don't really wow me and they keep winning. So who cares what I think? But yeah, in this win, it was a big win. They beat their former coach, Troy Taylor, which I said, once Troy Taylor leaves, you know, Sacramento State is probably going to take a little bit of a decline. But I still rank them in my top 15 this year because of the talent that they did bring back. They did not lose a lot. They, they were you know, promoted from within, but yeah, Troy Taylor has to have a full rebuild. Stanford absolutely is not good. And I think it's only going to get tougher for Stanford in the next few years because of what's going on with current PAC 12. But yeah, Sac State, I mean, Idaho, that's going to be the real test. I think Idaho beats Stanford. Um, I really do. I think, yeah, it's going to be a good game between Sac State and Idaho. And I don't know who I'm going to pick. Both are good teams. Both are big sky competitors. Both are quarterfinal plus type of run teams that can make a deep run in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just I feel kind of negative saying that power five win doesn't impress me because I don't think Stanford is that good, but it's still a power five win. And congrats to Sac State. You you continue to just prove me wrong, even though I keep doubting you. So I'm gonna doubt you again, prove me wrong again. But I think you lose next week. Well, you gotta you gotta look at the schedule because that's the only way I answer questions. It's consistent. The rest of their schedule sucked. Well, here's the thing is like when we focus in on the question from Derek, it's like another seeded year. So we're talking seeded. So they're undefeated right now with the FBS win, which is a huge resume boost. They're going to have two losses at the end of this season. And that's the thing. If they end up with two losses, 
what is the rest of the FCS? What have they done compared to their FBS P5 win to balance that out? Is there a one-loss team uh, you know, somewhere that has a way weaker strength of schedule? Is there an undefeated team with a much weaker strength of schedule? How does a Holy Cross land up? You know, like there are, I think there's a lot of factors at play, Derek, for us to really make a prediction right now. If I had to, I think that's brutal to, I know Montana's playing like crap, which is dogged them all, but they have to go to Montana. They have to play Montana State. Montana State's going to win that game. They have to go play at Idaho. It's just, those are three really difficult games. If they win two of those, I would say they're probably in the clear and they end it with UC Davis, which is the rivalry game at UC Davis too. And last year, that was a close game. Yeah, so this is a brutal Big Sky schedule, in no. my opinion. This so, is one of the easier ones. You, this is easy. What for a Big Sky schedule? Absolutely. UC Davis, they Montana State, Idaho. Teams. They get all the bottom teams. They don't get Weaver. No, I got you. Oh, come on now. Well, I got three of them there: Montana State, UC Davis, Idaho. You That's said a, Montana sucks, so they got well, Idaho, Montana, Montana State, and Montana's UC Davis. Okay. I don't think is as good as people are thinking there. I think they get a loss this week, but they have all of the bottom teams in the actual conference for their schedule. They do so have a lot UC of Davis weeks. playing this week. They get, they got a lot of bye weeks. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. Mm. Somebody so, just so dropped something in there. It's, it's a very, it's not easy by most people's standards when you're looking at the schedule, but by a big sky schedule, I'd take it. Mm. I want well, the schedule. Okay. Compared to Eastern's schedule this year. Yeah. Everything's easy. Everything's easy. <laughs> Jamie, uh, what do you think, man? Does Sac State have a shot at a seat, or is it kind of a pipe dream? I, I'm just—I don't know. That they have a shot. I mean, if they only lose to Idaho and Montana State, let's say that's what they lose to. So chances are they've lost to the number two and the number five team in the country. So two losses with a Power Five win mm-hmm. could be a seed. When you get down to the end of that se- end of the season, that resume says you might be a seven or eight because. If you think about it, usually that seven, eight, six, seven, eight is probably a two-loss team. So who's the best two-loss team? It could very well be them. Let's also yeah. remember this team has lost one conference game since 2019. Jeez. And that was to number three at the time, Weber State in 2019. And the 19 Weber State team was really good. Yeah. That's why I, I keep dogging this Sac State team. And I Again, I have no reason to. They keep winning. They they just win ugly. They don't look impressive when they win, and, mm-hmm. and they're just a resilient bastard of a team where they just don't give up. Um, they're, they're just not flashy. I mean, Caden Bennett. They're pretty everybody... flashy. They make some insane flashy plays. It's just ugly but you don't at the same think time. about them as a flashy team. Like, a, I mean, Montana State's not flashy, but they flash because they just have killed people. Like everybody thought Carson Camp from transferred from South Dakota was just going to walk in and be the quarterback. Well, Cade Bennett's completely outplayed him. Once they went right, stuck to him, they've been unstoppable. Now they go to the Kimby Dome this weekend. They're good. That's a huge, huge game. Yeah, that game is massive. That uh, that's a that's gonna be that's gonna be huge. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll have to throw that on the predictions here at the end of the podcast. All right, guys, moving into our next question. Good luck to Sac State the rest of the year out. Jacob Martinez, hootie hoo, baby. Now, this is dedication, folks. For an FCS Fans uh, Nation Facebook page that just went over 15,000 uh, followers. Oh. 15,000 Facebook followers. Appreciate every single one of you. 
Uh, Jacob's still here from his Kennesaw State Owls. He says he's got to get his owl question is here. Do you lean more towards Furman being overrated or is KSU actually moving away from the triple option without killing the program? Cough, cough, Wofford. Uh, so, you know, uh, we basically hate the triple option across the board. Kyler the most around here. But that Furman-Kennesaw game, um, I hate to steer away so much from the Owls, but what is it telling us about Furman, who we all sang really high praises for, and I always have high praise for? What do you think, Kyler? We, you, uh, you like Furman still? They're kind of in that seven slot. It's been quiet with them their first couple weeks. You still like them as a top team? Um, I don't like them as a contender, but I, I think they're the next batch of teams after anywhere from maybe seven to 15, where, you know, they could probably be competitive with a lot of teams win every now and then, um, Furman. I mean, this doesn't really make me think less of Furman at the end of the day, they still beat Kennesaw who's transitioning up, right? They're, they're ineligible Kennesaw. Yes. They got shellacked by Chattanooga, I think a few weeks ago, um, but I don't know. Furman's offense has never really impressed me. It, Furman, again, just like Sac State, they win, but nothing about them makes me go. Furman's this elite team. Um, but yeah, they're probably in the next group down. The rushing game was okay. Nothing Im impressive. Uh, it looks like Kennesaw, yeah, maybe they're finding a quarterback who can throw. You know, he's still almost 50%, so that's never a great thing. But there's but, um, 31 passes. Good 31, job, Kennesaw. That's, that's about as much as they had all season a few years ago. Good job. I applaud you for that. Well done. But, I mean, the game was probably a little bit more in favor of Furman until the last, like, fourth quarter, right? Um, game was kind of in hand. And then how many of those – because I didn't watch this game. I'm going to be honest with you. How many of those yards were in the fourth quarter when Kennesaw's trying to claw back? I'm not positive. I don't have a good answer for it. Um, yeah, this game, I think, was always supposed to be close. I don't think it was supposed to be a blowout by any team. Yeah, I think if this is just FCS versus FCS, not FCS transitional or anything like that. And technically, Kennesaw is FCS. I took some flack for that because I did the 127 teams in 127 days. And they're like, it's actually 128 if you count Kennesaw. I'm like, yeah, well, somebody else can post it. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... I think this does still speak well about Furman for probably where most people believe they are a team that can win the SOCON be a seed, hit that quarterfinals, maybe with some help hit the semifinals. But I don't think a lot of us are having faith that Furman's going to go all the way to the national title game. I think semifinals is probably their top peak. Um, Jamie, you and I are rocking purple tonight across the board. We look like Furman fans, even though I'm going will Sillers, central Arkansas here. Uh, Siler. Yeah. Well, if you want to say it wrong, Jamie. So, what what do you think about Furman here? You still got some faith? Yeah, I mean Furman will be fine. I mean, a win's a win at that point. It's a transition. Yeah. Going on the road, picking up a win, Just basically doing what they need to do. And now it's time to get into SoCon play for them, and it starts pretty quick. They got Mercer, then Citadel, and and Sanford and Western Carolina. That's a tough three out of four. So. They come out of that without a loss. We're looking at a, a top five See, to 11 team. Top, top four if they go through all that without a loss. Because then, then you yeah. think they're just going to run the rest of the schedule. Yeah. So their only yeah. loss would be an FBS team. Yeah, they would yeah. be a top four seed. Yeah, they're solid. I mean, and if you know they get some breaks to go their way, they, they can. I think they're probably going to drop one of those games. I, I don't so. know which one. 
but they're probably going to drop one Sitting because, up. like Kevin says, that's the SoCon. It just is. They, they do beat up on each other. Um, but I think Furman, I think Kyler's about right, seven-ish. I think I have him at five. I think that's fair. But at the end of the day, when you think where are they going to wind up, probably in that seven range because they're going to drop a game and maybe run everything else. It'll be interesting how the FU all day Furman fans will see how they play out, guys. Boy, speaking of how things will play out, um, I don't think anyone's really nailed the Missouri Valley better than Kyler Neal, especially being a big Sky fan. But really, you just got a sixth sense for it in terms of what this Valley actually is. And um, we're three weeks in, and there are some interesting things happening in the middle to the uh, top upper middle class, you could say, of the Missouri Valley. And Derek Commando has got another great question here. I don't know if you guys caught this game, but is Illinois State not worth the hype, or is Eastern Illinois a new team worth mentioning? That game was wild, he says. It was. 14-13, to 13, I believe, was our final score. And uh, it was all that and more from some sort of defensive struggle meets offensive lockdown. So... I'm going to pull up the Missouri Valley stuff here on YouTube. And Kyler, what is your gut telling you about the Valley in terms of who could be in, who could be out, and what teams actually look good and which ones aren't even worthy right now? I mean, Illinois State's not worthy. Um, and I don't think any portion of the beginning of their schedule warranted them to even start receiving votes like they did. Right? You play Dayton, who gives a shit? Then you play Western <laughs> Illinois, who is the dumpster fire of the Missouri Valley. Um, not for long almost yeah of, of the you know ovc whatever you want to call them soon so illinois state just is not a good team this is not the 2014 2015 type of seasons they just haven't really done anything since then um i get their two and one because again they played a very easy first three games um the rest of the valley i mean the nice thing is there's still a lot of good teams in the valley it's not as down as last year um, it's have- much stronger this year it's much stronger than last year. You have North Dakota State who looks like they're massively improved. South Dakota State who maybe even looks like they took a step back, but that step back was so far ahead of everyone else last year that who cares? You have Southern Illinois who's looking strong. They just got through a battle. North Dakota looks good, right? Then you have you know Youngstown State that's iffy. Um, they didn't look that great against Robert Morris, but they still, at the end of the day, they close it out. They started you know pressing their power. You have Northern Iowa who can always be tough. So this is a much better conference than they are last year. I just think Illinois State is probably at the bottom half, and I think the bottom half of the Valley is quite a bit worse than what people think. They always say from top to bottom the Valley's strong. No, I think this is more like the Big Sky, where the bottom of the Valley is absolute trash, and then the top is actually really good. Um, And then you have a few floating teams like South Dakota, who can be good, who can defeat – a good team, but can also lose to one of the shitty teams in the conference. Um, but then, you know, let's hype up Eastern Illinois a little bit. I'm, I'm not saying they're any type of top 25 caliber program, but they've looked quite a bit better. You know, they crushed Indiana State, who is a dumpster fire in the Missouri Valley. Look at those. You have Missouri State, dumpster fire, Indiana State, dumpster fire, Western Illinois, dumpster fire. Um, and then you have Illinois State, who's somewhere in between, right? They're not a dumpster fire, but they're not good. So let's give at least good old Tony Romo's team a little bit of applaud because they absolutely have sucked the last few years with no hope, and at least they beat this in-state rival from a different conference. So that's at least a, a little bit of applause. Yeah, the Missouri Valley looks fine. 
Yeah, the valley looks like it's going to be very strong. It's probably four. It's four play. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it four. I think four, four playoff teams. Pretty pretty accurate. Probably what they're gonna see. The real question is with Eastern Illinois and the Ohio Valley, right? Like the auto bid is what's on the line here. Can they go do that? And can they go get that? Can they be SEMO? Probably not. No. That's the thing. Can they beat SEMO? And that's it, a one bid conference. Yep. And the thing with Eastern Illinois or any of these like one bid at this point, really small conferences that uh, will compete against every single team and their strength of schedule is junk and they just they don't have a lot of talent within the conference. It comes down to one game, right? It's like, you know, in the NEC, we were like Monmouth versus this team. The winner is going to get the auto bid. Like, that's really what I see as a possibility with Eastern Illinois. I think Jake, Eastern Illinois still is going to have like three losses. But that's just easily. Okay, so we're still not as sold that Eastern Illinois is going to be a great team, but a hell of a win, especially over New Illinois. Here's the thing, though. Illinois State is exactly what I thought they're going to be. They're going to be a four to six win team, just like they have been Mm. the last six years. Eastern Illinois is a two and nine team, so they're going to be improved, but they're still not worth really mentioning in any kind of contendership. They're going to lose to SEMA. They're going to lose to UT Martin. They're probably going to lose to Tennessee State, to be honest. So that Northwest State too. There's there's losses on that schedule. They're they're not gonna be anything. They're just another team. They pulled out a nice win. They have two wins against the Valley. Not many other teams are gonna be able to say that. And you know, like we say, stats stats lie, don't lie. Statisticians do. This statistician says they've got two wins against the Valley. The stats say it's two of the trashiest teams, but it's still two wins against the Valley that they probably wouldn't have had in the past. So. Mm-hmm. Good for them. I mean, Eastern Illinois, I'll mention them in the fact that, hey, you've got a couple of nice wins. One of them was a shutout. This isn't the Tony Romo, Sean Payton, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, Eastern Illinois. Jimmy but G. They're there. Yeah, Jimmy G got his butt kicked today. Um, <laughs> so, you know, good for them. I, I'm going to say good for them. Uh, enjoy your moment. Um, but this is probably the last time we'll talk about Eastern Illinois. Oh, what I a can't. Bully. What a dick. I cannot wait until they make the playoffs and the social media team for Eastern Illinois takes that clip right there. They don't have one. Throws it in. I'll send it to them. I'll be like, you guys should use this. this You're going to be the social media team for Eastern Illinois. I'll be, you can hire me. I'm, you know, I'll I'm drive down go. there. They got to be close to Chicago, right? I'll drive yeah. down there next week. Drop off your highlight tape, Matt. And I like um, it. we'll get it. We'll get it going. Here's a highlight tape of Matt Fraser. Like, is this one of the, is this a high school recruit? Oh no, he's not an athlete. <laughs> No, they look some... at you and go, oh, he's perfect size for Eastern Illinois. Yeah, he, yeah, put him on the line. Put him on the line. Speaking of uh, worthy of being on the line or even on the team, Jason Soren has a great question to end the Big Seven here, guys. Um, he says, serious question, way too early to ask, but what top 10 ranked team right after three games doesn't make the playoffs or barely make the playoffs, or are they all secure to make them? Jamie, this is a great one. I'm going to pull off the – Stats top 10 here for us all. Thank God. I was going to ask, who's the top 10? (laughs) Stats top 25 coming at you on YouTube. Make sure you hit subscribe. Uh, With that, Jamie, what top teams are actually in a little bit of trouble? Or are you feeling like, listen, I think everybody there is going to be just fine. I think everybody's going to be fine. Let's, Let's start with that. I think everybody's going to be fine. But if you say, put a gun in my head and say, which one of these top 10 teams is going to miss the playoffs? Just because of where they play, Weber State. Mm. I, and I think Weber State's really good. Don't 
don't put me on any Weber State hype video saying I think they're going to miss the playoffs because <laughs> I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. I also don't think they're going to win the Big Sky. But if you make me pick one of these ten, they're the most likely team of the ten, in my opinion, to miss the playoffs. And I know they you know, – we'll see. I mean, we're going to see what they're made of this week. Um, they got Montana State at home. Then they got two trash teams, two of the worst teams, Northern Colorado, Northern Arizona, UC Davis at home. They go to Eastern. And two things, Eastern is a lot better this year than we thought. And they don't tend to play great there. So that, that's a 50-50 game. I think they've the two Idaho games. Yeah. But, you know, that's they'll challenge them. So, but Weaver State's going to come out of there with a bunch of wins, anyways. I mean, they'll drop a game or two. So, no, I'm not saying Weaver State's going to miss the playoffs. I just think out of the top 10, they might be the most likely. Yeah. I, I, I just think they're all good. And I know it's a cop out answer, but. I just can't see, based off the factors of who they play, the conferences they're in, the strength of schedule, and the talent they have across. Like, Furman's going to be one of the SoCon teams in. We talked about Sac State. How are they not at least a playoff team? Idaho, we feel really good about them. William & Mary is probably winning that CAA. And then the top three teams are safe. And then you break down to Holy Cross. We feel they're going to get their auto bid. Weber State should be a playoff team. But I agree with you, Jamie, that's probably the fringe one. Incarnate Word hasn't blown me out of the water in terms of a title contender by any means but their next eight games are junk they're, they're going to probably win all of the rest of the next eight games and if they don't i'd be very shocked um so i just think the top 10 is safe so to answer jason's question these all look like playoff teams to me i'd be surprised after three weeks of evidence that any of them drop off kyler you disagree with that or you feeling good about these teams I think the top 10 is pretty safe, but if I have to pick one, there, there's actually two that are making me maybe scratch my head, and it's not Weber like I thought in the preseason. I actually think Weber is going to be a little safer than maybe some of the other teams. But Furman, we already mentioned that. The SoCon is so weird. Don't know. I, I would still pick Furman over everyone else in the SoCon right now, but I don't feel confident ever picking the SoCon. You don't know what's going to happen. Western Carolina looks good. Then you still have Sanford who can bounce back. Then you still have Mercer. So there's a couple different teams, and, and the SoCon's not getting three teams in. I really don't think so. I think they're going to go down to a two-bid. And Chattanooga, right? Who knows? They can they can challenge people. So if I'm looking at this, Furman is actually one where I'm like, hmm, I get they're in every single person's top ten. I get they were supposed to be really good this year. But nothing's blown me away from them. Um, and who knows what's going to happen in the SoCon. But then the other one, Incarnate Word. Um, and that is a one-big league right now. They're, they're not getting multiple bids in that league, but all it takes in that one conference right now is one jacked-up game. And it seems like Incarnate Word has had that the last few seasons, right? They lost to Southeastern Louisiana last year in, a, in an awesome shootout. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Matt. Incarnate Word, they're most likely going to be a playoff team. They're most likely going to win out. And if they win out, right, they're looking at a seed, especially because of last year's. Um, but... I don't know. Nothing. Nothing's impressed me that much. Now, ACU is much better than people are giving them credit for. That's true. You got to uh, give credit think, to ACU. I do think ACU. I mean, last year their offense was phenomenal. They're kind of like Western Carolina. They could throw the ball. They got great facilities, great recruiting base. I think ACU is on the rise, um, and they're just not there yet. So I get it. In Cardinal Word, didn't look that great against UTEP. They didn't look that great against ACU. 
But UTEP is probably a little bit better than most people give them credit for, for being a bad FBS program. Incarnate Word's probably regressed a little bit since, you know, they lost their coach, the Walter Payton Award winner who had, you know, 7 million touchdowns. Um, they brought in some talent, but they're still trying to figure out a way to gel together. And then ACU is actually probably a little bit better than what most people are thinking. But still, all it takes is one game in a one-bid league to not make it to the playoffs. But, yeah, I think right now that if I you had to have me bet on the top 10, I'm betting on all 10 teams making it to the playoffs. Kyler, you did that on purpose. You what said the word bet. It's time to put your money where your mouth is. And if you're right, put some tacos in there too. This is Thompson's Taco Bets. I'm sure there was more to be said by the entire panel there. But I was like, okay, well, you just set that one up. So we're going right into Thompson's Taco Bets. And it kind of talks about some of the teams Incarnate Word uh, may see on the schedule anyways. So let's kick right into this one. First off, before we go into Thompson's Taco Bet, guys, Derek Kamena actually had a random question. We answer all random questions on this podcast. And he said, design your ideal taco. Ground beef, shredded steak, what toppings, etc. Okay, so we before we answer this taco bed here, your ideal taco, Jamie Williams. What is it? What is what is the ideal Jamie Williams taco? See any what? taco really? Uh, I don't know. I tend to just have like the ground beef, but I love a good steak taco. But got to have some onion. Uh, if you've got some Fiesta uh, peppers, that's that's good. Uh, obviously, some cheese and. You, can't go wrong with some jalapeno. A lot of jalapeno. Spice it up. Mm, not too shabby. No tomato. No tomato. No, tomatoes are gross. <laughs> Nothing beats hard shell, Taco Bell, taco. That's it. Taco Bell, nice and easy. That is the top tier in Fargo, North Dakota, from my understanding. So, But that place you guys took us after the game last year with Brian Thompson was pretty phenomenal. So, Kyler, uh you took me to a great Mexican restaurant when I visited you and your wife uh, when I was down there for military training. You are you you got to know everything about tacos. What's your ideal taco, my man? Um, you guys are gonna hate me. Uh, Baja Southern California. I love a good crispy fish fish taco. I would have guessed fish taco for you. Yeah, fish taco or some marinated steak. But yeah, there's nothing better than if you get it done right, a perfect fish crispy taco. That does sound good. I will defend myself a little bit. When I was stationed in California, Cali burritos with fries in them and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Right on the border oh, of yeah. San Diego. Oh, gosh. Yep. That's a, I'll give myself that credit in my younger years. Guys, Jason Plotkin had a question. He says, which 0-3 team in the Southland pick towards top of the league, McNeese or Southeastern, will bounce back from its slow start? Now, we're not answering that question specifically, but it sets up Thompson's Taco Bets tonight. We're over or under nine and a half wins combined for Southeastern Louisiana and McNeese to end the year. So obviously they're each going to play eight more games. You've got 16 total games. If you're watching on YouTube, you see Jamie and Kyler's faces go, it just zonked onto their computer screens because they're looking up schedules. Uh, nine and a half wins total. And the interesting thing about this is you probably have no faith in McNeese, but you probably got a little bit of faith that Southeastern Louisiana's got a shot. So, Mm. Kyler, what do you think? Over or under nine and a half wins? Oh, man, this is such a good bet. So, um, (laughs) McNeese absolutely stinks. And what I just saw from Southeastern Louisiana, 
that, that they're not good. Um, man, I think McNeese wins maybe three games. And I'm trying to think, does Southeastern Louisiana win? Do they lose two games or one in their really bad conference this year? I'm kind of leaning towards two, which would make them... Because what? They're already 0-3. So that means they're going to be 0-5, basically. So 6-5, and and then McNeese, three wins. Man, I'm going with the under. I think it's going to be nine wins total. Under. Under. All righty. I like it. Um, I'm going to take the over just barely. I'm going to take 10 wins exactly. Like just over. That's a good over under 9.5. Yep. I I was thinking 8.5, and I'll never forget last year. uh, We did a taco bet, and you guys were like, you know, if you had just tweaked it by one, I think this would be difficult. I've never forgotten that. Now I really think about them. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> so I try to be Vegas as much as possible. But I'll go with the over. Jamie, what do you got? Nine and a half. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the over. Uh, partially because they both get to play uh, Houston Christian. They both get to play <laughs> Lamar. You know, so there's that. They both get to play Northwestern State. They both get to play Commerce. So I think we're going to just sneak the over just because the Southland freaking stinks. Didn't Commerce blow the brakes off of Southeastern Louisiana they last year? They beat Southeastern last year. They did. But the South Southland stinks. It's terrible. Yeah, Southland, they, they look bad this year. There is a question about that, and we may have just answered it very quickly. Just because your question is answered quickly doesn't mean we don't care. These are the quick hit questions of the week. I just want the fans to know I, I, uh, our transitions. I plan to update them over the next year or two. That one will never change. I, I just love that one. I think it's perfect for the good old quick hit questions. And we start those off with Jason Soren again. And uh, Jamie, he says, so Montana State beats their non-conference team by 37 and NDSU beats their non-conference by 18. So is Montana State the number two now? Dot, 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 joking, tons of smiley faces. I'm just stirring the pot. But, hey, let's come back to it. What are you thinking right now going into conference play? Who's number two for you, Montana State, North Dakota State? How do you feel? After last week, it was Montana State. I think right now it's very, very, very close. But I think it's still going to be Montana State. I think I'm still going to have Montana State. And I haven't put out my top 25. I do make changes last minute because I am heavily debating putting NDSU back to number two because they have been so dominant. Like, I finally did. I'm like 51-49 on this right now. So, like, I finally put NDSU. Basically, to me, is the last-minute close loss by Montana State to South Dakota State more valuable than NDSU – smacking an Eastern team who looks better than we thought and smacking a Central Arkansas team who I thought was going to win the UAC. Uh, Stay tuned tomorrow when I release my ballot. Right now I'm saying Montana State number two. That might be different when I put it out in the morning. Tough calls nowadays. South Dakota State sitting back pretty though. Uh, Here you go, Kyler. Your time to shine. Danny Johnson and Joshua Hoffman messaged me a question about Eastern and Southeastern Louisiana. Uh, Danny says, I'd just like for y'all to guess the number of people that Southeastern and I live in their heads all the time. (laughs) I think that's pretty high right now with all your guys' success lately. 
I will give Eastern Washington credit. They came to play, but really do any of you see Southeastern bouncing back and still making a race of it? So what do you think, Kyler? Break that game down a bit. You uh, you witnessed the whole thing. Yeah, the, the score made it seem like this was a close game. Um, one team completely got outclassed, out, out-talented, and uh, my team was trying their best to lose it and still just couldn't because that's how bad Southeastern Louisiana looked. When you have 530 yards, 290, it is it is a big difference. So um, the good thing is, my friend Danny, you, you sucked in Cheney. Um, I'm sorry you couldn't make that trip. I know you really wanted to. The good news is we all just talked about how bad the Southland is. You still have a shot to win your conference. If you win it, you're going to the playoffs. But if you're not, you're not going to be a playoff team. This is a win it or you're not in. Just because you, you played a brutal first three games, right? Two FBS teams, Mississippi State and South Alabama, who's a good FBS program. And then you had to go up to Cheney to play a fastly improved every single week Eastern team. Um but man, I don't. It doesn't look good for you. I'm still gonna pick Incarnate Word over you guys right now. From what I saw, you guys just don't have it. Could be a tougher year, but Danny, you're still one of the greatest people in the history of humanity, and Absolutely. we know that that is true. All right, guys. After three weeks now, who in the top 25 was is overrated, and who was undervalued and will rise into the top 25? Says Jeremiah Rash. Well, Jeremiah, I mean, easy answer here is Southern Illinois. Holy crap, were they undervalued uh, as you guys continue to kick ass and great job with your win, winning the wheel. What an absolute comeback over SEMO. That was crazy. And I'll say it again, overrated. You and I never bought it, never, ever did. It's not going to get better throughout the season. That program has a lot of struggles and problems right now, and it's not going to be good. So Northern Iowa, very, very overrated. Jamie, were you impressed more by the passing ability? Matt Bernhardt has a question on this. He knows it was Stetson, but do you feel any better about Montana State's passing ability after throwing for nearly 300 yards in this last game? Um, I actually felt better about Montana State's ability to pass when Sean Chambers took them down the field against South Dakota State. I mean, it's more than the Tommy Blatt throw it up 50-50 ball, but you need them both. I you're a running team. That's your identity. That's what you need to stick to. Pass when it matters, when you need to. But you're a running team. Um, am I a little bit more confident that you can pass when needed? A little bit. But who cares about Stetson? The only <laughs> thing cool about Stetson is he's in Deland, Florida, and that's where Shipper Jones is from because he's the freaking man. Otherwise, Stetson and their other and they're called the Hatters. So that's cool. Yep, they were Hatters. Team. Who cares? Brady Blewett, Jamie, on top of that, says, how much will Tommy Malott's injury affect Montana State's tough conference schedule starting with Weber State this coming weekend? Any impact there? It'll affect him a lot. Yeah, I think it will impact him. I think Chambers is good, but without those change of pace, that's that's kind of been Montana State's identity. I think it impacts them a decent amount, and it might cost him a game. I don't know against who. It might not, but it's going to impact them. We'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Andrew Markham, my good friend, sir. When are we doing a two margaritas with Matt? Oh, man, I, I was waiting. To you already had five time. with them, Andrew. Oh, yeah, Andrew. We had a lot in Frisco. I'm having one right now. Um, I I know I've said this a lot about off-season podcasts, but I, uh, on everything I love, two margaritas with Matt is coming, and it's coming back consistent next off-season. I did two episodes. I had a blast with it. 
but I got a work promotion. I've had to train and new hire new employees. I, I haven't really made this public, but I'm at the end of my bachelor's degree here now, and my classes in the 400 range really ramped up. Our third kid, Finn, I think at that point was 16 months, which is brutal. <laughs> it was just so much, and I've always said this, Andrew, and to anyone who listens to this podcast, the second I'm not having fun, I just won't do it. If it ever feels like a chore, I will never do this. So two margaritas with Matt, I had to prioritize real life. But next year, no college, no promotion, and Finn will be way more manageable. So it's coming back, and I look forward to interviewing you, Andrew. Uh, Kyler Neal, you didn't get a chance to say this last week. Jason Plotkin, Holy Cross has beaten Miramac and Yale, plus a close loss to Boston College. What's this tell us about the Crusaders? Do we need a bigger sample size based on opponents? Your opinions on Holy Cross as we discussed them last week in the Big 7. I haven't been that high on Holy Cross um, or really the whole Northeast as it is. Now, you know, Jamie, Jamie's heard my opinions about that whole shit coal of the Northeast. Um, but the more Holy Cross plays, the more I'm starting to be a believer. Now, by believer, I do not think they're a title contender. No, I don't think they're the second best team because they played South Dakota State good for two and a half quarters. No, I don't care about that. They're not beating anyone in my top five. But I do think they're probably the best CAA team, even though they don't play in the CAA. I do think they would win that conference. I do think Saluka is having an amazing season, Who and it looks like he's he's really having a Walter Payton start. Um, but yeah, I mean, Holy Cross, they're a tough team, especially for a Patriot League team. They should be a quarterfinal final caliber team. With regionalization, they're probably going to get a CAA team. And in the preseason, I thought the top CAA teams would probably beat Holy Cross. I'm starting to really second guess that because I'm really a not CAA believer right now. And I think Holy Cross, up until they play a top tier team from the Missouri Valley or Big Sky, has a really good shot to go as far as they want until they play one of the Dakotas or a Montana State or Idaho, that those types of teams. And I don't think it's going to be relatively close. Yeah. All right. So what do you think? This year or last year's whole, the last couple of years Holy Cross team or the 2018 Colgate team? Mm. Which team is better? I think this Holy Cross team is better than the I 2018 agree. Colgate. I think JMU just didn't wasn't that good that year. Yeah, um, we weren't. And, and I think that, that skews people's opinions because you beat this dynasty of a team. But yeah, I think this Holy Cross would run circles around Colgate. Yep, I agree. Much, much more balanced team, much better yeah, offensively. They, they are good. And the more I watch them, the more I'm like, Maybe I was a little too harsh now. I'm always going to be harsh when the people are putting Holy Cross at number three because they almost upset South Dakota State. No, you didn't. You still got beat, blown out by 21 points. But, um, yeah, they, they are better than maybe I gave them credit for in the preseason. Very cool. We'll see if the Crusaders can uh, maybe get over that big boy hurdle in the playoffs. So, Scott, our good friend, Scott Q. Oh, my goodness. I uh, love Scott. Love seeing him every year in Frisco. Was UCA overrated or is the world back to normal? No, not overrated. Good team. I tweeted this out. Um, NDSU through three games, in my opinion, Scott, is again where it's not crazy to think about. This year, you're going to see Montana State, South Dakota State, NDSU, maybe an outlier or two that can win the national title. And that's going to be your national champion. And the Bison are 100 times better than we ever thought. And that doesn't even mean that they're up on South Dakota State's level. But they were, uh, that was a 49-17 victory until they pulled the starters. And that Powell for UCA, 
Will, holy moly, that dude is a beast. And Central Arkansas's line offensively, a very, very impressive. So let me ask you a question, Matt. Yeah, go. Eastern or UCA? Oh, uh, mm. here's the thing. I was I was very surprised how good Eastern's lines looked. Their defensive line looked small, but it was. It, it reminded me of NDSU where it's like it looks smaller, but the guys were more cut fit and they were they were held their own the entire game and their offensive line was big so uh that's splitting hairs man i'd put them almost on the same level i don't know if eastern's got a walker like central arkansas does that number eight who is a freak but I, that's almost a push for me both in, in an impressive way so yeah <laughs> just give you eastern just give it to you watch it on close. youtube we're I'll all seeing honest. it um, Andrew Markham, Chase Beckver wants to know, uh, Jamie, thoughts on UCA versus ACU and both teams' first UAC games? Uh, is ACU better than people have thought? Is Incarnate Word worse? <laughs> um, so ACU is kind of the, the the conversation here. Are they the one going to take the UAC championship this year? I think they're definitely a decent team. Um, I think they got a lot of offense. I don't know how much defense they have. Uh, that game's in, that game's on the stripes in Central Arkansas, so I would lead Central Arkansas. Uh, I think they are a better team. I think with Shenderick Powell, with um, Darius Hale, I, th I think they can control that game a little bit, kind of like Incarnate Word did. They kind of controlled the game with Zach Calzada. Uh, I think UCA um, will win that game. Uh, Abilene Christian, though, they're going to scare some people this year, just like they scared Incarnate Word, but – Honestly, they're very similar to me that it's a Southern Utah that's a younger team that has to learn how to win. It's like they're right there. Southern Utah has two three-point losses, uh, one to Arizona State in this past week to UC Davis where they were there. But little mistakes, little bad first halves. ACU, they couldn't get that thing going in the second half. So that's kind of thing. you got to learn how to win as a young team. I think, again, both teams well-coached. So I think they're both good teams that – when we're talking this time next year, that UAC is going to be elevated because those teams are going to be better. So uh, right now, though, Central Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Kyler, Greg Gardner wants to know, um, I guess since they suck, uh, will Kyler get the Grizz tattoo removed? Does that need to be the next fundraiser? Hey, maybe we make that happen, some tattoo removal. What What are your thoughts with that? Fortunately, no. Um because I already have three more leg tattoo bets, and I'm just going to turn this leg into a cluster of just horrible <laughs> ideas. So oh, as no. much as I want to get it removed, uh, one day I'll probably just you know do a cover-up of everything. But as of the next five to ten years, where I can really just try my best to ruin my life and make stupid decisions, um, I have a fantasy football one where the loser has to get the fantasy's team names uh, tattooed on it. And I think it's between... Two girls, one cup, and uh, where are the heavies? No so, um, way. Yeah, so that, that one's going to be a fun one. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just having bets, and that leg's just going to be a work of art. <laughs> that will be amazing. Don't Google what those things were, by the way. <laughs> uh, last one here, guys. The Rev, Dustin Helton, leads out of Quick Hits. What's a fact that you think everybody should know? Mine is that percentages are reversible. Example, 25% of four is the same number as 4% of 25. Hmm, interesting. Mm -hmm. Jamie, you have any real-world advice or not real-world advice that everybody should know? So I didn't actually, like, 
read the questions earlier, so I didn't have the time to think of anything for this. Um, it's a big one. This is kind of one of the deeper questions we have yeah. for a quick um, one. No, from a fact standpoint, no. I mean, I could give you one of my mottos to live by. is uh, It's better to be uh, pissed off than pissed on. Mm, I like it. That's about all I can give you right now. Sorry, Rev. Uh, repping your shirt, though, for uh, thanking you for uh, joining us last week. I wish I'd actually paid attention because I'm sure I could come up with some good fun facts. But, uh, yeah, my brain's not working at night. Uh, struggle a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, you just get one of my stupid life mottos. I love I love retirement and IRAs and investments and stuff, but I'm very basic with it. But my brother told me this like a year ago. He goes, hey, put 50 bucks a month into the S&P with fractional on Robinhood. He goes, do you know that'll go up 8% on average every year? Like every single uh, over a span of 30 years. He's like, and then you can liquidate it whenever you want and use that to bridge some gap for if you want to retire at 58 and you're trying to get to 60 or something. And I was like, okay. And I just put $50 automatically on Robinhood. And it's crazy. It's like, a, it's the only thing that just keeps going up. And yeah, so I guess if you're like, oh, what would be an easy way to start investing into something? Yeah, throw 50 bucks on Robinhood, fractional share to the S&P 500. Watch those Fortune 500s make you some money. So, yeah. And I'm not smart at all. So, one tip for you. Kyler, any life advice for anybody? Not life advice, but more facts that people should just know for, for no reason. I got three of them for you that just came off the top of my head because I'm like Jamie, but I don't read any question. One, Washington is more north than Maine. Stop thinking Maine is up there. Maine <laughs> is not. Maine is a southern state, you bastards. <laughs> Fact number two. Alaska is the most northern, eastern, and western team or state in the United States. Matt's already thinking. He's he's like, wow. And then the third fact: Friday Night Lights as a movie is way better than Remember the Titans. That is a oh. fact. It's not even an opinion. And if someone has an Hitch opinion forks. and they tell you they have an opinion about it, you can just say. Oh, Kyler got cut off. Sorry, guys. All right, All right. you know what, Matt? I will... <laughs> it's a fact. Oh, oh, good. He's back. You're gonna have to say that all again. Good. Uh, I had to do it. No, I, I might not disagree with you. Friday Night, Night Lights, Lights is a really good movie. Better. Yep. Guess it depends if you won or lost your state championship in high school. Which one is more so, relatable? So here's so. here I, I found I, I thought of a fun fact. There have been three presidents who have actually died on July the fourth, and they're all founding fathers. Jefferson no and Adams. Yep. Jefferson and Adams actually died on the same day in 1826. And uh, July 4th, and also James Monroe in 1831. I believe the only president to have July 4th as a birthday is Calvin Cool. So I had time to think about it. So there you go. Wow. I like okay. that. Well, go out, go out patriotic. I like it. And uh, we always, you know, we always go out with the game of the week. This is the matchup you should be paying attention to. This is the FCS Fans Nation Game of the Week. Boy, game of the week here. Guys, I'm going to give you each one. That's how we're going to do this thing. Um, because I want to I want to add one on there. And we're going to start with you, Jamie. I'm going to give you number 20, Mercer, at number 7, Furman. Rankings at the time of this recording, 17 September, a Sunday. Uh, number 20, Mercer, at number 7, Furman. Who's going to win that game? This is a huge one for the SoCon. This is a big one. This is one of those games for Mercer. Is like, is it time to get over the hump? If you're going to finally make your first playoff appearance, this is one of those games you've got to have. Unfortunately, I don't think they're going to have it. I think Furman is still a significantly better team. I am not sold on Carter Peavy. He has managed games. He's done okay. 
Uh, but I would uh, lean towards Furman by seven to 13 points. Paladins. Mm. F you all the day, all day long right there. Kyler, I'm going to give you the second one for game of the week. We're going two of them. Number five, Idaho is going to be hosting the Sacramento State Hornets. They are number eight and they are traveling there to the Kibbe Dome. What do you think? Is it going to be V's up or are the Hornets going to come in and sting the place? What do we got? This is a good and intriguing game. Um, I just think Idaho has a little bit more playmakers now. Their receiving core outside of Peyton Hatton hasn't really impressed me as much as I thought they were going to. I thought it was going to be a very well-balanced passing attack, but Hayden Hatton's kind of the only guy they're really throwing to a bulk of the time. Uh, but Idaho has a running game now, which they didn't really have last year as well. Giovanni McCoy, he's making a few mistakes, but it's because he's airing out the ball more too. He's, he's a little more confident. They're letting him stretch the field. So I like what Bennett is doing over there, taking over the QB position for Sac State over O'Hara. But I, I don't know. I, I'm just leaning more towards Idaho. I think they are more talented across the board. I think their defense is a little bit better as well. So, uh, yeah, I guess V's up. Let me go uh, Idaho 35, Sac State 24. Should be a good one there, and I would agree with uh, both of you. I will take the home teams in both of those matchups. I will take Furman. In Idaho right. to be the All right, Corvettes. Matt, you get one, too. You don't get to just throw one and get off the hook. Oh, you're going to throw? Okay, here we go. Yep. All right, let Jamie. Me, let me find it. I had a good one, and I just scrolled past it. Give me a second. All right, we'll give you a CAA game. Rhode Island visits Villanova this weekend. That's a good one. Mm. Um, Matt, I can would... you watch that game? No. <laughs> um, boy, uh, Rhode Island versus Villanova. Well, Villanova is honestly, when we got that question about like the top 25 from Jeremiah Rash, I was like, I think Villanova should be a team I should bring up here. They're number 24 in the nation. They're one that almost people have forgot about. So, oh boy, do I want to piss off Sean and those boys with all this prediction stuff? I think Villanova still hasn't, and they're the home team. I'm going to go a home team sweep across the board. I'll take Villanova to win 27-23. So... In a close one okay. over Rhode Island. I like, I like Chasm Hill, actually. Yeah, I like I like Rhode Island in that game. Yeah. Well, you know what? If we all pick across the board, it's just boring at that point. Exactly. <laughs> What's not boring, guys, is our sponsors for the evening. Again, thank you to Versus Sports Simulator and Walk on Apparel. Make sure you check the links on YouTube and on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify to click onto the links and purchase some amazing gear and use the best app for analytic breakdowns for game predictions for your fcs or any gambling that you have uh gentlemen that does bring us to the end of this episode of the fcs fans nation podcast really want to thank everybody for your support i mean 15,000 15, humans are following the facebook page fcs fans nation we're about to push 7,000 followers on twitter um and then when you think about youtube the network that we have with the south dakota state guys and cocky nation and the rev for the United Conference, and we now have a gambling Montana Double A parlay. We have the gambling betting show with Colby Peterson rocking on Saturday mornings for your FCS betting needs. And I mean, Cocky Nation, Eagles Power Hour in the past. I mean, Friday night, everything. There's just so much going on. We're about to hit 1,700 subscribers on YouTube, and our episode last week between YouTube and the rest of them pushed almost over 2,000 listens/slash views. So. 
We really appreciate your guys' support. Um, if you want to share this for any of your fellow FCS fans, we really appreciate it. We can just keep bringing you guys good content. So, Jamie Williams, take us out, my man. Final thoughts for the week. Anything you're excited for? Well, yeah, let's go. Um, it should be a good weekend in the FCS. As Just as this past weekend was good in the FCS, it was a little uh, heart pitter-pattering in the FBS, but you give me the floor. You know I'm going to get us in there. <laughs> Your Sun Belt champion, Troy. We walk down there into their building, walk away with a win. Go Dukes. Let's keep it rolling. We go out to Utah this week. Yeah, congratulations to them. And for Troy fans or anybody, uh, if you're going to talk smack, you better back it up. And this Wait. podcast always, always backs it up. So, ladies Jamie, and gentlemen. Quick question before you say your ending. Are you going to play Utah State or Utah? State. Oh, okay. Never mind. You're fine. Yeah. Dukes by 40. Dukes by 40. We'll I didn't mean to cut you off that, but now you can end it. I was just curious. <laughs> I was like, ooh, I'm going to be paying attention if they're playing Utah, but never mind. I don't care. Yeah. It's just slow. Yeah. This ending is proof that we don't edit shit. Catch you on the next one. Boom. Thank you for listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, or even YouTube. And make sure to follow our FCS Fans Nation social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the premier podcast for FCS football. Oh. Was I was considering putting Endgame on my list. That's just gospel. I like good. Infinity War better than Endgame, but I'm, I root for the villains in movies. Them as a combo, those two movies as a combo is unreal. Fantastic. Haven't seen any of them.